coming up on episode 56. Get down, get deeper and down, and put on your fuck me pumps because shit's about to pop off. (laughs) Welcome to Verse Course Verse. I am DL. And I am ready. With me is Rachel, always telling me to get with her friends polio. Rachel, how are you tonight? Or I'm sorry. How are you very early this morning? It is 11 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) No, it's not. It's 10. It's so early. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. (laughs) Why? I stayed out real late last night. I partied. Did you? Yeah, no. I was with some girlfriends and I was like, we were talking about margaritas and we like, we don't have margarita stuff. Let's go to the bars. And it was like 11 o'clock at that point. So then... Who even you know, are you people, anymore? I was up until 2 a.m. and then up again. Is this some midlife crisis, Rachel? Probably. Oh my you should God. see my new red car. <laughs> <laughs> we are not alone. We have two wonderful and hilarious people here today to talk about albums. And we're going to start with M. M, how are you doing tonight for it's you? Tonight, but actually, it's six o'clock. It's like, yeah, it's tonight. I'm doing great. No spoilers. We've already recorded a podcast episode today. A couple of drinks in. Feeling yeah. not bad. Feeling not bad. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. It, for me, for example, it's 10 a.m. We already recorded a podcast with drinks involved. So, yeah, we're doing okay. Um <laughs> M is one half of a podcast called Songs for Win, and we will definitely touch on that. The other half of that pod is George. George is here. George, how are you? Oh, do you know what? So good. As Em said, we've already recorded a podcast. I've had a couple of drinks, but I am not at the point where I'm about to start telling you all that Victoria Beckham is the best singer of all time, so don't worry. Mm. Oh my God. I I have had enough drinks for that to happen in the past. That is a hot take if I've ever heard one. (laughs) Sure is. But I'm great. I I am great and I'm This is going to be fun. As I said, George and M are the duo behind a podcast called songs for when dot 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 very very smart idea for a podcast but essentially isn't it basically just like a 37 part dissection of cheetah girls you guys let's be honest so that's so true it didn't start out that way but that's how it's (laughs) our original idea for a podcast was Disney Channel original movies. Really? And then we didn't make that podcast. There's still time. This pandemic (laughs) isn't going anywhere. Honestly, their podcast is kind of what the title would hint at. They pick a topic. For example, if you want to hear them talk about smelling people's genitalia to tell if they're cheating... Go to their episode about, uh, basically, they have an anti-Valentine's Day episode. I think it's the last one you you released, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's the most recent one, yeah. And what's the actual title of it? Songs for when you honestly couldn't give a fuck about Valentine's Day. That's perfect. perfect. Two pe- which, for two people in long-term relationships, is a very bold move. Yeah, what's up with that? You need relationship renaissances. <laughs> it's a great podcast though what made you decide to do it and how did you get it all started behind originally just wanting to do disney george just loves to talk george has always wanted to create a podcast he's got so many opinions i've got quite a lot of opinions but i don't share them as vocally as george but he's so good at it it's just something we used to do all the time you know oh my gosh this thing is happening now wouldn't this song be perfect for this scenario 
I think our first ever go was what songs would you play if it was like snowing and you were pretending you were in a music video and we said All I Have by LL Cool J and Jennifer Lopez <laughs> and then we were like we could make a podcast like based on this like these random cliche moments that you need the soundtrack for and and that's where Songs for When comes from. It was a Monday mid-pandemic and I say mid-pandemic very hopefully but it, yeah it was a Monday we both you know were feeling a bit fed up yeah. we're just chatting and cheering each other up this was born yeah. from that Monday. It's a fantastic podcast your chemistry is really great you're hilarious Thanks. it is one of the few podcasts where if I listen to it and I'm driving around I'll laugh out loud literally so (laughs) great podcast and I don't know how it started but last year it was our first season was it your first season last year yeah Yeah, it was yeah so we both just started being very supportive of the others they've been incredibly supportive of us and we've tried to be supportive of them podcasting you have podcasting is a really mixed group There are certain podcasts that love all the other podcasts and want to be helpful. And then there's other podcasts that are very not that. It's pretty awesome to have. We'll call you our sibling podcast from across the pond kind of thing. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Like you just said, Dio, I love making a podcast because I love listening to podcasts. So I hopefully make the podcast that is the sort of podcast I like to listen to. Absolutely. And I have been caught yeah. on occasion listening to my own podcast. <laughs> you got to get those listens up. you got to get yeah. <laughs> What are we doing on this episode? Well, pretty simple. We wanted to have George and M on. We asked a very simple question, which we asked to a lot of our guests. What is your favorite album of all time? That's basically what we're doing. I am actually really excited for these two albums because they are taking me quite far out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Very familiar with both of them. We'll get into what they are. Before we get into everything, I guess we'll just do a brief synopsis of what the albums are. Em, what album did you pick for this episode? I picked the album Frank by Amy Winehouse, which was released in... 2003. It's her first album. I'm not going to say a lot of people don't know it, but I feel like they will be more familiar with Back to Black for sure than they would be with Frank. Frank was introduced to me by my mum when it came out, when I was actually about 11, and it was one of her favourite albums. She'd play it all the time. For anyone that's listened to Ard Podcasts exclusively and religiously knows that my mum is very, very particular. Not only does she not often like female singers, she doesn't like new singers. Holy crap, your mom and my mom are exactly the same. Yeah, she likes male soul singers from the 70s and 60s. Like female singers have to be extra special to get in there. And I just remember listening to this album and thinking, this isn't new music. She's not making new music. She's mimicking and experiencing and adapting like this old style that I already know and love. When I was 11, I had no like idea that people did that. And um, it's a very honest and funny album. It's mostly just about Amy making mistakes and being young. I got back into it um, last year because it was the anniversary of her passing. I just think it's such a wonderful album. So it's, yeah, it's Frank. Love it. George, mm. what's your favorite album? Not from the same wheelhouse as <laughs> M. My favorite album I brought is Spice World by the Spice Girls. Spice World is their sophomore album. I brought it for a couple of reasons. So Spice World came out in 1997. It came out when, at least in this country, in the UK, living in Spice Mania. They were the five most famous people in this country at that time Mm -hmm. and I know they were really big all around the world I was introduced to the Spice Girls by my older cousin who had some of their singles she had uh, Wannabe Say You'll Be There and Two Become One and she's like oh have you seen this Uh, how old would I have been born in 92 so I'd have been about four or five 
played it to me, my mind was like, Whoa. <laughs> so I went home back to my mum and I just went, mum, I've heard of the Spice Girls. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, cool. Bought me their first <laughs> album, which I listened to nonstop. And then when Spice World came out in 97, they literally could have farted for 30 minutes on an album. And I'd be like, it's the best album I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> um, I am a pop music connoisseur I think is how I would describe my taste in some people love rock music and I love pop music so much and I actually think pop music often gets forgotten about or discredited for being pop music and not being clever or not being well written or not being that and I still love this album from when I was five years old and it's not just the nostalgia and I chose Spice World as my favourite album, not just for the fact that it's brilliant, but also because I've decided it's time that good pop music, girl bands especially, got their time to be appreciated and understood as actual singers and musicians. We'll touch on that quite a bit, actually, I think, when we get to you. Before we get any further tonight, poor George, we got to get to the most important part of the night. I'm sorry, we got to get to the most important part of the morning slash night. What are we drinking? Uh, I'm going to start with M, actually. M, what are you drinking on your, uh, fr- what, is Saturday evening? Yeah. It was Saturday night. I've had a sidecar. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Started with a sidecar. And then tequila and tonic. And then I've got rum and coke lined up. Wow. You're just. I need to know what brands you used for your sidecar and your tequila. Okay. In a sidecar, it's brandy, triple second lime. And I think if you're putting it in a cocktail, it doesn't have to be the best alcohol in the world unfortunately it's just supermarket brandy but my triple sec is valare mm. and my tequila is el reo reposado mm. nice is that what i have in the cupboard no i bought you calle 33 i think that's all gone <laughs> <laughs> so george then what are you drinking <laughs> oh my god so i am currently drinking the beverage of a 14 year old girl <laughs> i am having um hard seltzers this <laughs> evening which is basically the equivalent of juice isn't it i chose it because i'm on my own as in my husband's here but i'm drinking on my own so if i cracked open a bottle of wine we would be discussing how <laughs> victoria beckham is the best singer that's ever existed um oh. i can dr- that's another episode i can drink up songs for i when. can have so- like <laughs> maybe five or six of these hard seltzers and you're still going to get our Particular sentences out of me. <laughs> I work in alcohol. Oh. I work for a, a wine merchant. It's a really um, posh way of saying I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I work yeah. in alcohol. <laughs> I feel like I have to have the quality now. I have to have everything. I have to have the bar. I have to know about all of the wine. Yeah. Plus, it's, it's just, fun. I'm the wine bringer. She introduced me to my favorite drink, which is orange wine. Not made from oranges. Very misleading. Is that like a it's time is demeanor or what? I'm unfamiliar with orange wine. Orange what is that? Orange wine is naturally like fermented and it's usually white grapes that are fermented on their skins. And it's how they used to make wine back in hmm. hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it originated in Georgia, which is where they think wine originated anyway. Yeah. So if I'm having an orange wine, I'm going big Amber. I'm like being Anne Boleyn. Yeah. 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 Sure. Oh, it's <laughs> very Eastern European of you. Yes. <laughs> Rachel, what are you drinking tonight? Today? This morning? This morning, Sorry, man. Fucking it up. It's morning, <laughs> so I have coffee drinks. 
So I just went to Starbucks. I have uh, a caramel frappuccino to which I added Jack Daniels. Ooh. And then, which is, wow. is delicious. I previously had tried wild turkey in a caramel frappuccino. The caramel and the bourbon go really, really well. Whiskey bourbon. Jack in that one today is pretty good. Um, and then I also have a passion tea lemonade, which is half passion tea, half lemonade. So kind of like an Arnold Palmer situation. And then I put some Malibu in that one as well. Oh, I so love I a Malibu. Malibu. So does Rachel. That's Malibu and pineapple juice, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could happen. It's actually in this country considered a bit of an old lady drink, but I love it. Really? Yeah. No, it's my... it's for like 20 something college kids. College I want to see I want to yeah. see that party together. That would be fun. <laughs> so George is on the Malibu on pineapples and I'm on like the whiskey sours usually. So that's yeah. my favorite drink is a whiskey sour. Or I make a mean sangria, I won't lie to I you. I can do a sangria. I mean I, I let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'll do any alcohol. I don't care. Um <laughs> I, this morning I did a Irish coffee. Like we said, we already recorded four songs for win. We're gonna we did a group episode for them too talking about music videos. So we'll be plugging that as well sooner rather than later, I would imagine. And yeah, we all brought some music videos to it and talked about them. It was really, really fun. A lot of memories brought up those two hours or <laughs> how long it was. But during that, I drank an Irish coffee. They have a Jame, it's called a Stout Jameson now that's done in old beer barrels. Wow. It's pretty good. I also have a Starbucks, which I added some Baileys to, and then I have red beer, which is just V8 and good old light American beer. Is it any flavor Baileys or is it just a classic Irish cream? No, just classic Irish cream. We had a chocolate orange Baileys come out last Christmas and it was sensational good. yeah really the good the peppermint baileys here is huge <gasps> no don't do this to me dl because <laughs> honest no you can't we used to have a mint baileys in this country and it got discontinued mm. and every single year i go on a quest for some kind of mint flavored irish cream and the closest i came was a supermarket did their own brand mint chocolate Irish cream. But I was like, it's not the same because old mint Baileys was just Baileys and mint. And I just think it'd be so nice, like so cooling going down your throat. Well, <sighs> number one, that's what she said. And number two, <laughs> you <laughs> number two, you better stay friends with us because now we know yeah. what to get you for Christmas. <gasps> so Yeah, here's <laughs> the thing. America okay. loves bastardizing good alcohol. And so there's like pumpkin spice, peppermint, Anything. like any kind of alcohol. We put disgusting yeah. flavors into it. So I've had a pumpkin spice Baileys. That's yeah. actually all right. Same. I quite like that. My degree at university was teaching and I came to do a semester in America. Uh, I went to Penn State for a semester. Oh, damn. Oh. You smart. Um, <laughs> and I remember going to like parties and being like, what the fuck are they drinking? <laughs> Sorry. Like, why am I drinking mint liqueur? Just whatever's like, why available. Every time, why every time I have a shot, do we have to chase it with something? Why can't they just do a shot? The people that are 21 here have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. So when they taste alcohol, it's disgusting right. to them. If you remember the first time you tasted alcohol, it's fucking gross. Yeah. Whereas we did that when we were 14. We did the whole Bacardi breezes and Smyrna Fices when we were 14. And so... Yeah. My brother, so he was born in Italy and his start on alcohol was spritzers yeah so they would just take whatever italian sprite and then wine together and then give it to my big brother who was very little at the time so he was like three-ish getting drunk but like that's not a thing in the states like we don't drink so it's like 
foreboding. I mean, until you're 21. And so then you just like go balls to the wall. And it's not like there's not like casual drinking in the States for the most part. Yeah. Whereas we would go, oh, let's go for a pint after work. Right. And go and go for a, a quick one. Right. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking, uh, as usual, verse, course, verse, fashion, alcohol, two albums. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. We we are back. We are going to start with George's favorite album from five years old, Spice World by the Spice Girls, released in 97, along with the major motion picture. It is their second studio album, or sophomore, as George stated. Debuted at number one in the UK, peaked at number three here in the States. I have a question, George. Go for it. I couldn't find this, and I ran out of time to search. Did they make this album for the movie or alongside the movie, if that question makes sense? I can answer that question. I don't know what came out first, if I'm honest with you, because I was five. But, and I could, you know, quick Google, but we're not doing that. Yeah. It was made in a bubble with the movie. Obviously, they'd come off Spice, the first album, which had taken over the world. Their record label wanted to like hit the ground running on album number two so they also announced they were making a movie so they basically would film during the day and then go to like a studio on set and write and record the album between takes yeah so it was all made very much within a bubble of each other um when you were younger were you into the spice girls i remember being into the spice girls i want to say like generically everyone was into the spice girls and (laughs) i was a five-year-old girl so i was also into the spice girls but when george talks about the passion that he had for them we did an episode about it recently but i think my first big love pop group wise when i was younger was um band s club seven Whereas, um, when <gasps> I love S Club Seven, I love Club Seven. They had like a whole TV show. They, were oh. my... they did. I love them's cheeky little plug there as well. For our <laughs> that was the first that I remember being like fascinated with pop music and uh, a group that I particularly liked from my era when when I was younger. So the Spice Girls were definitely present. I remember having like Spice Girls merchandise and thinking they were the best thing ever, but not so much as George, definitely. So the Spice Girls, I don't know, reign or whatever you want to call it, them taking over the world Mm. because they absolutely did. It didn't last that long. Do you think it was just because of the complete all out media? I mean, this was everywhere, sponsored by every major label, every major drink, everything was Spice Girls. DL, I can't believe you've brought this up when I've been drinking and that's, (laughs) I can't believe. um, (laughs) I think it has something to do with that. I think it has a fair bit to do with a certain Ginger Spice leaving the group, which I, as a child, hated her for. And as an adult, Sounds realized, like you're still a little angry about it. I, at the time, as a child, thought, why has she done this? Why would she leave her four best friends this way? <laughs> as an adult, I realized that she was probably having her own mental health struggles and it was not the best environment for her to be in. The most interesting thing about studying this album for me, there was so much controversy around the Spice Girls that was there little things that happened that they would do I don't know if it was just media I know what you're talking about about. but it's stuff that to me would totally expect from a group like the Spice Girls but they kept getting in trouble for the like when they kissed Prince Charles and pinched his bum it was Jerry and Mel B and that is Jerry and Mel B they were especially then 
they were the ballsy, loud, cheeky members of the group. And that's exactly what you'd want from them. And I don't think Prince Charles cared. Just two more women, innit, for him. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because I kept reading these little things. That, okay, kind of like you're saying, isn't that kind of what their shtick is? Isn't this... Like that peace out girl, girl power. power. Like... Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Spice Girls came along at a time where actually the music chart were dominated, in the UK at least, by bands like Blur and Oasis and those kinds of bands. And the Spice Girls came along and as ruined like... <laughs> As this middle finger, as this middle finger to these boring men, and we're like, we are here to show you actually how you can have some fun. They were just this middle finger up to everything that had happened in the last five years in the UK music scene, and we're just like, we are bringing pop music back to the front. But so you're saying that it's it shocks me that as a Taylor Swift fan, you don't also like Damon Albarn. Whoa! I mean, yeah, whoa! We do know what happened the other week, don't we? Wasn't that weird? Of all the people in the world to accuse of not writing their own songs, it should not be Taylor Swift. Yeah, but also just just leave Damon Albarn alone. He's so nice. Well, no, the worst part was he then tried to claim he'd been misquoted. And I was like, he tried to claim he'd, he tried to be like, I've been misquoted. I was like, no, you said it. It's a quote. I think not surprisingly, there are two of us that think that Damon's quotes were taken very much out of context. And two of us that don't. He said it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so fun fact, I went to the premiere date opening of Spice World when it came out in the theaters. I was so excited (laughs) to go see this movie. (laughs) When I was listening through this album, I was like, I know this. I know this album so well. And then Stop came on and I was making dinner and I was like, stop right now. Thank you. I know all the choreography. Yep. Yep. So this was great. This was good revisiting. I remember me and my girlfriend going and I was so excited. And we were honestly, even at 14, we were kind of the older crowd that was there. And I was a little embarrassed, but it was. (laughs) I have one of the best dads in the world. So my dad took me and my cousin to see Spice World, the movie. And then he took a nice 90 minute nap. That's fair. And we had the time of our lives. (laughs) My kind of guy. Iconic. (laughs) Spice World. I've got Mm. some awards and categories that I want to talk about. The first thing we do on this, if there are people that listen to Songs for Win that haven't listened to this yet, that have tuned in to listen to Em and George's outrageous accent. (laughs) Actually, if you already listen to Songs for Win, you're tuning in and hearing our outrageous accents. Right, Rachel? (laughs) They're crazy. (laughs) I have a... We call it the David Crosby Meh Award. It is a bad Amazon review about this album. <laughs> this is this is from January 2000, and it's kind of a long one, but it's it's pretty. It's worth it. Yeah. Some people only get 15 minutes of fame, and others can get 15 months. Who really cares? Because no matter how much there is of it, it always lasts. Which that doesn't make. I can't any even sense. make heads or tails of that fucking <laughs> sentence. So no. I'd like to wager that this review already placing a hard bet that this review was not written by someone the Spice Girls were making music for. I think you might Probably be true. right because you're going to see. You're definitely right. Remember the time when you could go in a record store and there would be a zillion copies of the Spice Girls albums? I recently went to a local record store and saw a faded copy, the only one in the store, behind an Osmond Brothers CD. If you don't know who the Osmonds are, they're a more It's Donnie and Marie and yeah. their others, the other members of the Also, group. that's not alphabetical. So I don't even Record stores this. don't do that, Rachel. 
The bargain bins don't alphabetize. Come on, Rachel. <laughs> yes, if you, not in record stores. Get your get your facts straight. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm going to go upstairs and get my faded copy of Spice World, which is from 1997 and sits proudly on my shelf upstairs. So you didn't leave this review then. <laughs> the, the story continues. When I tried to lift it out of the bin, it was stuck. With a tug-of-war pull, it came out and there was a huge dust mark on the bottom, literally. This goes back to the bleak 97-98 year when teeny boppers everywhere were buying this album like slushies because their friends also had it. Not for music, for the trend. This is sad. Money is hard to come by. People are starving and homeless each day, and somehow a young person's allowance had to go to a talentless, annoying feminist pop group over some homeless man in the street who was things. victim of Vietnam and just wants to eat and I've see had, his family I've again. Had all this shit before. This took a turn. Sometimes life can make no sense, but when you promote a huge money-burning gimmick and people moronically buy it, it says that there is something seriously wrong with society. <laughs> so essentially, to recap, Spice Girls is the reason that Vietnam vets are homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. You're just what I've always said to you. Yeah, to be fair, whatever we whenever <laughs> everything is made for yeah. someone. Right. And obviously on our episode of our podcast, we touched on This is America, for example. And obviously we had quite an in-depth conversation about This is America. But for example, Donald Clover's music, Charles Shambino's music, sorry, is not made for me. Royal Blood, which M and DL really, really love. I don't like that, but that's fine. Because it's not made for me. It's made for people that like yeah. it. Spice World is made for people that like girl bands. I don't think you have to defend yourself to this dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, You're fine. He's got other shit going on. DMX Award. This is in honor of a rapper that I love, American rapper named DMX, in case anybody doesn't know. What makes this artist or project unique? As a girl band, so obviously there are a lot of girl bands that have come through history and some are manufactured, some are more organic than others. Some are a blend of both, which I think the Spice Girls are a blend of that, in that they attended auditions and got chosen to be in a group, but they found their own management deal. They've come up in a slightly different way from other girl bands. Every song on this album, all 10 tracks, is written by all five girls. There are different producers that come in. Richard Stannard, or Biff, as he's known. The constant. He's the constant. A constant. He's the yes. constant. Perfect. There we go. Like you invented the language. All five girls. <laughs> all five <laughs> of these incredible girls wrote on every single song. And it's not just like, there's an th expression, isn't there? Change a word, take a third. Which is something people, yeah. have you not heard of it? So no. Someone will write a song, and then the artist gets the song. They change a sentence, and they get a songwriting credit. There's oh, one beloved oh, artist yeah. that's very guilty of that. And her name starts with E and ends in Beyonce. And she is incredibly guilty of change a word, take a third. Oh, um, if I a boy is not yeah. written by her, but she gets credited on it. Anyway. Um, George does not like so they are not. <laughs> it seems that Look at way. Balls on George. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, for example. Goodbye is not on this album. But Goodbye started being written in Nashville by all five of the girls about school shootings. And it got adapted to be about Jerry leaving the group when she left the group. I, so what I'm trying to say is all five of them would shape it with a producer or someone like that. I like that it. They are not just a manufactured pop group. Something I think the Spice Girls sets them apart from a lot of other girl groups is when someone is singing, 
you know exactly who is singing. For example, I love Girls Aloud, they're another favourite group of mine, but I can't always tell which one of the five is doing the vocals at that particular moment. But with the Spice Girls, you know, mm. you can tell whose voice is whose. Um, do you think that this album was overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly. That's easy. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's overrated. Personally, I think their most famous album is probably their first album. It's obviously the one that kicked off their career. And like, as George said earlier, their biggest fan base were children. And I think children would have fallen in love with them with that first album. It's validly rated as an album of work by the Spice Girls. Definitely stands the test of time. I have a seven-year-old daughter and she fucking loves the Spice Girls. Yeah, loves them. I think it... It's a continu- so, it, they're going to be continuous. I just don't think there's anything offensive. We'll be like, oh, I hate this about their music in general. It's just happy, fun pop. There's nothing about them that you can't write off as being a sign of the times, yeah. too. It was like a real epitome of what music was like back then. This album, in some ways, there's a bit more to it. Like me and George were talking about, I don't feel like it's just pop. I feel like they like music and I feel like they love music. And I feel like that that has been sewn into the music that they make. The Spice Girls form was I feel very organic and very natural and a lot of groups that came after tried to copy the formula but because they were not as organic and real. Back then one of the really big things was making sure that if you had a boy or a girl band each person had to have their own specific personality and nobody did that the way that the Spice Girls did it. I mean they literally named their people what their personality was. That was actually done uh, by a British magazine called Smash Hits. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't them. Yeah, they didn't start that. It, that was a smash hit. Paper. But magazine did it and they took it. Regardless of who started it, that did fucking wonders for their entire career and their entire brand. Merch. Mm-hmm. So much merch. Their branding and marketing department was just on fucking fire. Yeah. Like the whole, their whole career. Rachel. Yes, sir. What influences do you think, or you can name influencees, which I think is any girl band after this. But... I feel like there were girl bands... Before and after, I feel like the Spice Girls really started like the girl power aspect. Like it wasn't just singing about boys and falling in love and whatever. It was being the best you can be and you're good enough and you're just as good as everyone else. Can I just say one group that I want to give a shout out that was before them that I think did that? And that's En Vogue. Sure. Oh, that's true. En Vogue was fucking badass and yeah. I knew they were badass. I was going to say TLC, actually. A TLC is a really good one, yeah. too. So British girl groups. British girl groups. <laughs> Do you feel like they did it in like a really... I don't want this to come off offensive. They did it They did it in a non-offensive way. They did it in a really soft, soft way and not a, a bitchy way. Safe. Of like, go fuck yourselves. I'm better than you. But it was more of like, a, no, no, you're really great. Be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Peace sign. Yeah, all that stuff. As far as like people they influence, like I feel like Black Bewitched in in Ireland, in the States, Destiny's Child, I feel like, and they kind of rolled off of that, I think, a lot. Are you trying to say Beyonce owes her to Korea to Mel C, Jerry Halliwell? Wait, what? I'm going to have to answer that for Rachel. (laughs) Us as an American podcast, we will never be able to say anything (laughs) about Beyonce ever that isn't. We love Beyonce. Thank you. All of us do. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind the Bullocks Award. And this is back to George, who kind of already touched on this. Do you think this was their best album? I hadn't thought about this way. But as Em said, 
album one had Wannabe, Say You'll Be There, Who Do You Think You Are, and Mama as the singles. Mm-hmm. And that they're iconic. That is a string. They are... F- that's mm-hmm. a double A side. So And to become one. And they were four consecutive UK number one songs. Yeah. That's in, that's a mean feat. No mean feat, sorry. That's no mean feat to have that. But I think as a growth of a group, standing the test of time, and for me personally, yes, this is their best album because it's the one I come back to time and time again. Rachel, this is called the Teach Em Young Award. If somebody that had never heard of the Spice Girls said they wanted to get into them and you had one song from this album, what song would that be? Spice Up Your Life. <laughs> we just it's like the cool, all around the room. It's yeah, the cool, yeah. it's such a cool to our arms, isn't it? It's literally like, we are here. Yeah, it's, definitely. Em, what's the best hook on this album, do you think? Oh my gosh, I wrote this down. She's a prepared podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> unfortunately, we're going to talk about the song again, but I, I unfortunately wrote down Spice of Your Life again because I just feel like the rhythm is the most catchy, probably. La, 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 yeah, la, 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 <laughs> it's, it's that. It's that Latin beat, isn't it? Oh, I wish I'd been more inventive, but it, like, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's, yeah, sometimes the obvious answer it's, is... When you compare it to the other songs that they wrote, it's, it is a bit basic, but it's iconic. It's iconic at the same time. Never Give Up on the Good Times includes a chic sample. So there's that Does as it? well. Or some sort of sample in there. There has to be a sample in there. And that's got a nice look to it. Hey, now, look around. It has to be a sample. So <laughs> I don't think that they so could have done that themselves. It has to be a sample. I'm going to make everybody answer this one. This is the Time of Your Life Award, which means the worst song on the album. Move over. It's move over. It's move over. It's move over. It's move over. Wow. Okay. We have two vehemently expressing their dislike. I do have an opinion. Can I, um, about the, I've put some some thought. You can say whatever you want. Having an opinion on a podcast. I (laughs) I did put some thought into the, the Time of Your Life Award and it made me think about how I would re-jig the album. Spice Girls wrote two songs for their Pepsi campaign. It was Move Over. Dog shit. And a song called Step To Me. Also not great. (laughs) I think of Move Over as an interlude. The Spice... And there's a whole chant. Mm -hmm. Like them chanting. I would have had that here as the interlude. (laughs) So I would skip over Move Over, but I wouldn't skip over the Spice chant. Um... I wrote denying. George disagrees. I didn't. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was. <laughs> if we could have George's face, I've never. S- <laughs> I just saw his entire eyeball. I picked this one because I didn't love the lyrics in it. And I'm a big lyric person. And granted, nobody is listening to Spice Girls because of their thoughtful lyrics. There's- <laughs> Digging it deeper, Rachel. Uh, profound <laughs> lyrics, I guess. The love affair is over. I don't know how to fix this. No, it's fine, yeah. Rachel. I thought we had a beautiful friendship. Have your opinion. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you cannot do a podcast with George without insulting him. You can't because... It's just I'm, some, I'm taking mistakes. the piss. Have your own opinion. It's absolutely fine. I love Spice Girls and I do like their songs. I don't think that their lyrics are... They're fun. They're happy and all that. And I feel like denying the lyrics were 
the least. There is my least favorite Spice Girls lyric in denying, so I will give you that. You know where? Um, oh, so there you go. When Emma says, "You think you're slick, but I know you don't want to be seen that way," and it's like, "What?" Then it makes Wait, sense. What? Yeah, I feel like there's a, there was another one where it was like you added way too many syllables. <laughs> for that, and it's <laughs> how did you fit all those words in there? My least favorite song is Lady is a Vamp. Oh! I knew you were going to say that. I just don't. It doesn't go with the rest of the album. They get to this part and it's this kind of odd trying to be flapper style jazz. The lyrics are kind of half campy humor, half trying to be i just don't get it i don't get that song at all i agree with you david with ladies the vamp i would actually swap spice up your life and ladies of vamp around i'd have ladies Vamp kick off the album really and spice up your life end the album and then david would never have listened to it the whole way (laughs) i get get 30 seconds into the album no it sounds like an intro song and it has the lyric ends with ladies and gents please take your seats and we hope you enjoy the show and the album finishes it makes it does kind of a burlesque kind of thing that's true george what are the three best songs on this album do you want them in order or just yeah three to one this changes for me quite regularly actually and it I does depend so on the mood um okay so in third place is do it and it's purely on the basis of mel c's massive vocal at the start of the song i think she sounds incredible second place is viva forever i love viva forever i know em doesn't like viva forever but I love Viva Forever. The Spice Girls have a fair few ballads and I think Viva Forever is great. And it, I think Mel B sounds stunning. And then in number one, it's never give up on the good times because living it up is a state of mind. <laughs> and <laughs> Never give up on the good times is tied first with If You Can't Dance is my favourite Spice Girls songs. Yeah, that will never change from number one. Rachel, what are your three favourites? Oh God. <laughs> Please don't hang up it's on a me. Safe spa- it's a safe space. Is it? Is it, George? <laughs> <laughs> Number three, I put Spice Up Your Life because it is iconic. It's what you think of when you think of this album. Number two, which I'm glad you can't throw stuff at me because we're not in the same room. I put Move Over. Again, I haven't <laughs> heard this album in years, years and years and years. I was in the kitchen and I was cooking and I was cleaning up and it came on and I was like, I know this. Where is the song from? Is this, a, is this from a Pepsi commercial? <laughs> and then I looked it up and I was like, it is from a Pepsi commercial. That's why I love it. And then number one, again, glad I'm not in the room. Lady is a vamp. <laughs> and I, I picked it because... This is either horrible or genius. I went on the side of genius because I'm like, it is so not their vibe at all. (laughs) They really tried to do something completely different. And it was just, it was like a car crash. Uh, Em, what are your three favorite songs on this album? Number three, I've got Too Much. I love Too Much. I think it's really nostalgic. We've actually featured it on the podcast as well, haven't we, before? We have. Uh, I think it's a really really good song number two i've got denying and i like denying because mel c is my favorite spice girl as an adult when i was younger i think it was probably emma bunton as an adult it's mel c and i I like the amount that she has to do in denying and then my favorite is uh, number one is never give up on the good times it's it's my favorite spice girl song and it's because of the living up being a state of mind thing right yeah that's how i live my life (laughs) it's a state of mind (laughs) I am actually just going to, for my top three, I'm deferring to George. This is George's album. I liked it so much. So I'm repeating his exact three. (laughs) 
Those are my favorites. I honestly didn't even know how to do this. <laughs> I didn't know how to do this. Thank you for being so polite about it, everyone. <laughs> that is Spice World. George, thanks for bringing it. All I can do to end this before the break is say in the mortal words of the Spice Girls to you, Em and George, Asta manana, always be mine. Viva forever, I'll be waiting. Everlasting, like the sun, live forever for the moment, ever searching for the one. <laughs> um, that doesn't make sense. How can you be <laughs> everlasting, living forever in the moment... And also ever searching for the one. So has to be end, obviously, means see you tomorrow. So, like, in English, it's like, see you tomorrow. Like, it doesn't yeah. quite sound as romantic as when they sing it in Spanish. That's a very funny <laughs> lyric to me. Get your Spanish guitar out, lads. We are going to talk M's album when we come back. Stick with us. Done it. All right. One album down. Would you say out of the way david <laughs> no, no comment <laughs> let's get into our second album of the night m brings us the debut album from amy winehouse frank which debuted october of 2003 under island records m you gave us a little bit of a rundown of why it means so much to you at the beginning, but tell us about her debut shot. Amy was 19 when it was released. So what are we going to say? Like Holy 18 shit, when it really? was recorded, probably. How old was she when she died? 27. 27. Oh, She's shit. in the 27 Duh. Club. Okay, sorry. When you listen to the album, it seems crazy. Like, I feel like as a nearly 30-year-old woman, I can access and relate to this album now, like the things that she's singing about at the age that I am now. But the fact that she was able to write these songs and access this place inside of her when she was like 18 years old is crazy. Like, mm -hmm. this album definitely shows that she was way beyond her years and gives some insight into like the struggles, obviously, that she was going through in her life it seems like she had to mature so quickly and then obviously all of this pressure on her uh throughout her career which is eventually what probably led to her passing and um yeah. the experience that she had later on in her career and this album is like a tiny insight into that but it's also an album about her being young and i touched on this earlier about making the mistakes that you make when you're young I remember my mum listening to it when I was younger and enjoying it and appreciating it for what it was and what she was doing for music at the time. Um, it was sort of revolutionary and I'd never heard it before, especially as, as young as I was. Mm -hmm. But I look back on it now, knowing what happened to her and how her life like panned out, even looking at the album cover and seeing how happy she is in that photo and how different she looks compared to the image of Amy that's in our head, like sort of bit crazy, wacky looking, big beehive. Amy in this album is still 19. She's fresh. She's young. Yeah. She's just enjoying her music. And I think that's what this album is. It's it's about her experimenting and about her just being herself while she's young. And I, I, I love that. But I also in a way think that that's really, really sad that this is all we got of, of that part of Amy. Like I think Back to Black and um, obviously all the songs that came out and, and Lioness and things are, are wonderful. I think this side of Amy, it's just sad that we we didn't get to see more of this or have more of this part of, of her. I think what intrigued me most about listening to this album is how I didn't realize she was that young when she recorded this, which is even more impressive mm -hmm. because you hear all of her influences right away all over this album. Mm -hmm. 
And they are not influences that a 19-year-old typically would have had at that point. It's really, really cool that somebody her age... As well as hearing the influence musically, there's like a ton of references in this album to artists that are iconic and clearly significant to her. She references Erica Badu, the Beastie Boys. The album was produced by Salam Remy. He worked with the Fugees and Nas... And then parts of it were produced by Commissioner Gordon. Is it Commissioner someone? Commissioner Gordon is Batman. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, I didn't want to interrupt. His, his name is Commissioner Gordon. The producer's name is Commissioner Gordon. He produced The Education of Lauren Hill. The amount of influence and the amount that's gone into this album. Who else does she mention? Sarah Vaughan, she mentions as well, like at some point in this album. Like, I mean, it's called Frank. It's yeah. called Frank. Frank yeah, Sinatra. About, yeah, she even references yeah. that. It's very clear that it's about Frank Sinatra. So this album was released in 2003 in the UK. In the States, it wasn't released until 2006, I believe. And then Back to Black was 2007. So you have... In real time, there's four years of difference between when these albums were released, which is a lot of time for growth. But we saw these come out Mm -hmm. one after another really, really fast. And so when I was listening to this, this album, I was like, this is not as good as I thought it would be as far as like vocals comparatively to Back in Black. But then learning that there was a a bit more time in between the two albums. Well, especially being that age. Yeah. Recording something in 19 and then again, when are the next one? Well, like, she must have what, been like 24, 23, 24, something like yeah. that. Four years is a long yeah. time at that age. Mm-hmm. But I think that it, at least in the States, I think we judge this album a little bit harsher because we got it a lot later and we got it right next to something else. And we're like, it's not really that good compared to Back in Black. Well, we did, Yeah. Because of its release in America compared to, I see what you're saying. It's really mad, isn't it, to think about in the world we live in now where everything's so accessible. Right. That there was was a time where things came out that way Mm -hmm. and there was delays in releases and things like that as opposed to just... And everyone can access it it right now. That's the whole thing now. Mm -hmm. It's very strange to think about that. It's all to do with promotion, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So it would have been released in stages so that she could promote it in different stages. Yeah. Now in a world we live in, they don't need to do that. I think that was my biggest takeaway from this album is just the feel... I just kept going back to the time that it came out. The feel was just so much like nothing that was coming out at the time. To me, that's the coolest thing that an artist can do. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what made Amy Winehouse such a fucking badass and, and everybody loved her. This is besides the fact that the big hit first song on her next album was Rehab where she's literally talking about how, yeah, I know that I'm fucked up and it ain't getting any better. Deal with it. That's just awesome. Mm -hmm. To be at a height of a popularity, to be able to come out and be a star, she had to have had things pitched to her about, you know, we need to make this more poppy. We need to make this more this or that or something. She had to have been getting that. It had to be her saying, no, no, this is going to be a jazz-influenced album and I'm not going to change that. I think that's... Even saying that, though, from what I've read, Amy hate like, not hated, I don't want to put the word hate there, but she didn't like this album. Oh, really? Yeah. If you look at the songwriting hmm. credits, Back to Black, it is all her. If you look at the songwriting credits in Frank, there are so many other people flitted in It's like 70 it. people on the credit, on yeah. the liner notes. Yeah. On each song. Mm-hmm. Change a word, take a third. <laughs> <laughs> From what I read, she said that she feels she's in 80% of this album. I think we'll find, wow. like, as we talk later and we talk through, like, the songs and stuff, my favorites personally are the songs that are Amy-driven or, like, Amy and one other person. 
I, I personally mm. feel like she she also said about this album that she feels like it was bitter. I think she said that like looking back on it. And I feel like if you as an artist that has grown, don't look back on your first album with some sort of regret or like analysis or, oh, this could have gone better. Then I don't think you've done well enough as an artist. Like I don't think you've grown enough. So the fact that she looked back on it and thought that way is probably great. Let's get into some awards and categories for Amy Winehouse's debut album. We're not going deep into this because this is supposed to be just about this album. And there's so much to talk with Amy Winehouse, which is why Rachel and I might be talking about her a little bit more in a few episodes foreshadowing anyway let's get to the david crosby meh award yes amazon bad review don't worry this is a very short one i yeah you'll i just want to hear the reactions because i i am a bit flummoxed by this one one out of five stars i thought she was a singer i did not like the cd and i gave it to a friend amy does not sing on this cd she talks are insane <laughs> i'm sorry em what did i text you when i first hit you were play like, what wow, was the words vocals, i texted something you? like that on any song i've ever listened to of amy winehouse's i've never heard her sing as well as she sings on this album so i think that is a very peculiar <laughs> statement and i wonder if they got an audiobook by mistake by... <laughs> yeah <I> just... <laughs> Like, was it an autobiography? Yeah, I mean, I can understand somebody saying that they don't love the vocals on this, but I don't get the she's talking thing at all. I wonder if it's fuck me pumps that they're talking about or like... When you pop in this album, the first song is You Should Be Stronger Than Me and she's not talking. (laughs) She is is singing impeccably, like properly singing when she does that first song. Um, We kind of already touched on this for me anyway, uh, the DMX award, what makes this unique. I basically already talked about it. It jazz when jazz wasn't a thing. It, she just had her own feel. I think a lot of artists do this now where you can see influences from the past in their music. But when I first heard this album, no one had done that before. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. No, like, it's a thing now, but not back then. It's a huge thing now. Back then it was like you make your own music or you listen to music from the 60s. This for me was like the first time that a young British woman especially was like, I'm going to make music that's my music, but also harkens back to this thing. Mm -hmm. George, do you think that this album is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Which actually, that's I want to start with this question to you both. How was this album received when it was released in the time? Was it a big deal right when it came out? No. Yeah, I was going to say, I... Uh Uh-uh. Back to Black Rehab happened. Then, obviously, Back to Black was... The album was massive. And so then HMV and Virgin Megastore or whatever was left at that point Mm -hmm. would stack Frank next to Back to Black. And I remember it had a sticker on it. But basically being like, buy Back to Black, get this for a fiver. Oh, shit. So it was very much a case of... Does that ring true to you, Em? Like, it was very much a case of... So I can't remember or find like i've just tried to have a look at what it peaked at when it was released the year end chart for it in the uk in 2004 it was 102 but its peak position in the uk charts is three but that is only when she died oh and back, yeah. back, still back to black yeah, still back to charted, black charted above, above that, that right? and then frank peaked mm-hmm. at number three when she died so it's fairly similar to what it did in america right rachel yeah so yeah i yeah exactly 
Amy Winehouse, I'm British, so Amy Winehouse for us <laughs> is a national treasure. We mm-hmm. adore her, and I find talking about her quite tough because I love her. Like, I love Amy Winehouse. I'm a Back to Black fan, but as a person, I just want to give her a little cuddle and look after her and make sure she's being looked after properly. And yeah. so I find talking about her quite tough for that reason. And I have had a few beverages, which makes everyone a little bit more emotional <laughs> than they maybe normally would be. But Frank is something I've only really listened to once I knew we were making this episode. Oh, wow. And I think... I so, you know, we talked about Salam Remy and like uh, Erica Badu and things and all the references that she's she's brought in. And I feel like my mum loves all of that stuff. And Frank Sinatra, all of the the stuff that Amy's emulating, my mum and my dad love and, and brought me up with, which is the only reason that it was in my house, but the young British girl doing it. Exactly. Like I said, it, it hit with who it was going to hit with. Yeah, so my it's, my mum and mm-hmm. my dad are always going to love this album. So that's why it was played in my house when I was younger. But you were saying about, was Frank on my rate? Was that kind of the question, was it? Like, was it on our radar when it came out? In the UK, at least, mm-hmm. we had a slew of female singer-songwriters, didn't we? So we had... Mm. Adele's debut album, Lily Allen's debut album, Kate Nash's debut album, Duffy's debut album. And whether you like every last thing, every last one of those people, British female songwriters was a thing, was a genre almost, all of its own for a little while. And some of them successfully made the leap to album number two. I spoke about this with Em and I know you said maybe, you know, could she have gone on any longer than she did? But I'm trying to word this right because I don't mean this in any offensive way to anyone. And I am a big, per- I'm a big Adele fan. I love Adele as a person. I think that's she's fine. wonderful. I don't love her new album, but that's a different story. We're not talking about that today. I think Amy Winehouse and Adele were on the same career trajectory. Adele hasn't had the same issues that Amy Winehouse has had, and so Adele's career has carried on going up the way it did. Probably her music wouldn't be as great if she didn't have the problems that she's had. But similarly, because Adele writes a lot about heartbreak, which is a very different style and type of music to Amy Winehouse. And I'm not comparing them just because they're both women that write their own music. I'm comparing them because they came out at the same time. Amy could have been the person that Adele is in this country and around the world. But obviously that was cut short in the worst way. I don't know. I'm on my fourth drink, so I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll take an Amy Winehouse over an Adele (laughs) any fucking day. (laughs) No, no, that's everyone's entire. That's fine. Adele's new album is shocking. Like it's Rachel. Do you think that this was Amy Winehouse's best album? No, I think it was great. Again, coming out in the states, coming out so close back to black. I just compare the two. Mm -hmm. Really, it was like months apart. I think that they were started getting released, but not to say that it wasn't amazing. She was so talented, and I think that we think about, you know, if she had gone on longer, like what she could have done. And I think we think about that of everybody that we think that has, has passed on too young, but there's also, especially as Americans, I don't know if it's, it feels the same way in the, in the UK, but we just drain people for all their worth. Yeah. George, I know you love Britney, but like no, yeah, the people that were in control of her were just like work, 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 work. How much money can we get out of you? It doesn't necessarily have to be and the, we, ba- as the a best quality. We're the same way too. Absolutely. We just any, suck any people shit dry. news about her we could get. I, yeah. Bounce, yeah. Bouncing off of that. And obviously M can, I don't know whether you'd agree with me or not. Um, I feel like in this country, we root for the underdog a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. And so I wonder if Amy 
would have been given the time to take 10 years off and recover and get better. We do. And they, we do know the people around her and they were absolute prick. Well, okay, yeah. But I, li- yeah. I like to try and think... I, li- I like <laughs> to try and think good of problem, people. That's the problem, isn't it? The mm. people that she was surrounded mm. with were... Oh, God. <laughs> It's my word. So George, going off of that then, if you had somebody that did not know who Amy Winehouse was and you had one song off this album to give them and say, this is Amy Winehouse, what song is that to you? I have a chart. Hold the line, caller. (laughs) It's tough because my music taste and what I would say, oh, this is Amy Winehouse are maybe two very different things. Mm -hmm. I would say You Sent Me Flying. I would also say You Sent Me Flying. It's not my favourite song on the album. Em very clearly agrees with you. To introduce Amy's style in this time of her life and introduce Frank to people, it's probably the best example. It's the most accessible. So it'll get you listening before you get to the stuff that maybe is not what you're used to. I like that. I'm going to give this to M. actually. I want to know what you think the best hook on this album was, which is kind of a hard question because there, this isn't a very hooky album. Right, so it's not a cheat. The best hook on the album is In My Bed, and it's because it's a sample. I think it was sampled when Nas produced it originally, but it's a sample of a Nas track. Yeah, that is catchy as hell. Yeah, it's fantastic. The Nas track (laughs) is great, and it's not even a sample. I literally think that they take the backing track from the Nas track, and then Amy sings over it. Like you said, it's really catchy, and then Salam Remy produced the Nas track and he produced it in my bed and then obviously they've combined the two together so I think in my bed is um, the best hook on the album now I'm sticking with you for a very hard question to answer on your favorite album what is your least favorite song on this album I think I know what she's gonna say but I'll stay quiet for a minute and the intro doesn't count <laughs> possibly Amy 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 hey oh, I was wrong samesies <laughs> I don't love it I just feel like it's... I don't love that song either i think it's the bouncing bass line that never ever stops it needs to just take a break every you know once in a while I feel like, and I feel it like doesn't it's too easy it's like a it's a bit throwaway the other songs are stories and she talks about there are experiences or things that have happened and this is just a bit of like a, a generic song uh rachel what about you um least favorite song mm-hmm. i wrote fuck me pumps and i feel like i'm gonna get a bit from that i think fuck me pumps nope. is It's controversial. When I was younger and my mum played this album for me when I was like 11, I thought Fuck Me Pumps was so funny. I thought it was absolutely brilliant that she was doing all of this. But listening to it as an adult, I I, see how... I feel like it had so much potential to be really good. And I feel like it was at least lyrically, like really lazy. I It's not that I didn't like it. I just thought that it could be so much better than it was. Hard agree with you, Rachel. So I said to Em, what I was going to do, because I think this album is a body of work as opposed to individual songs. So I listened to it and I rated each song out of 10 because I knew you were going <laughs> to ask about individual songs. Oh, wow. So I thought... I like that. Well, right I was going to ask about individual songs. And, but I gave Fuck Me Pumps one out of 10. And I wrote, oh, did this shit. get lost on its way to Lily Allen? I could, yeah. <laughs> M and DL agree Everyone on the least favorite song. Well. And George and Rachel agree on the least yeah. favorite song. This is an eerie... One out of 10. And it's the only one out of 10 I gave on the entire, entire album. Last thing we need to do. We need to talk about the three best songs on this album. I'm going to start. My third favorite is I Heard Love Is Blind. But she's just real beautiful in that song. I don't. I don't really know what else to say about it. She. I just really yeah, can like. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something about I heard Love Is Blind? Yeah. It's the only song on the album that Amy has a solo writing credit for. Oh no shit! 
Yeah. What about In My Bed? No, 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 because of the sample. Oh, shit. That's right. No, In My Bed. That's actually why I really liked it, because I do. I love that sample. But I Had Love Is Blind is, is the only Amy solo writing credit on the entire album. See, see how smart I am, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite song on it, and I just a little bit shot out of the canon because she just comes out like such a badass. And I think it's why it's not probably not my favorite Amy Winehouse album, but Stronger Than Me is my favorite song on this album. It's just, it's such a badass number one. I, so I took the easy way out. Rachel. Yes, sir. What's your top three? It's going to be some controversy in here. First one, not as much. In My Bed. That's on mine too. Um, I know. We have so much in common. Second one is Amy, Amy, Amy. Oh no. What is going oh, on? babe. <laughs> I know. I just, I thought it was. Both times as well. You've picked the it song. Was... That was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought it was clever. It was the lyrics were campy and cute. And I thought that's that's kind of why. And then one, which is really unfair and probably shouldn't be number one, is I picked No Greater Love, mm-hmm. which is just not even an Amy Winehouse song. But I just loved, I loved her version of it. I thought it was so good. Yesterday, I was listening to, you know, Nat King Cole and Sarah Vaughn and trying to like, I don't know, I kind of like Amy Winehouse's version. So that and Moody Smooth for Love are the two covers on the album. I like her version of Moody's Mood for Love, but I think there are better versions of Moody's Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. George, what are your three? Oh, so I'm basing this solely on my ratings because it felt the mm-hmm. fairest way to do it. Because as I said, it's a no skips album. In three is What Is It About Men? Any song where a woman is slagging off a man, I'm here for. <laughs> it's always where it's at. In second place is Stronger Than Me. Her voice is gorgeous in that. Uh, in number one, my only 10 out of 10 is Take the Box. Really? Absolutely loved it. And I will tell you why I absolutely loved it. It reminded me, and I'm rest in peace, Amy, and I'm sorry, do not haunt me tonight for saying this. It reminded me of bid to late 90s Mariah Carey. That's why I loved it. Hmm. Hmm. Take the Box is like critically acclaimed. And Mariah Carey is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. So there you go. <laughs> we she just made the same she exactly. Does a little... <laughs> She does a little whistle tone note at the end of it. She does all the little things. It is very harking reminiscent of Mariah Carey in the 90s. I think I'm going to post that three seconds because we did just make the exact same face. Me and DL literally both. And I was looking at his little picture when I I, made that face because I knew he was going to do exactly the same thing. I won't take this kind of slander. She's incredible as a songwriter. M, M, what are, your favorite album what are your three favorite songs my third favorite song from the album is you sent me flying you know when when george said about how it being the one that you'd introduce someone to i completely agree with that mm-hmm. um my second favorite song is stronger than me for the reasons that everyone said and my and my first favorite song is i heard love is blind hey awesome a lot of it does come down to the fact that it's just her from when I was younger, I remember Stronger Than Me and I remember You Sent Me Flying from my mum listening to it. But I heard Love Is Blind is a song that I found now, like in this period mm. of my life and, um, and enjoy. It's a good album on this podcast. We're going to talk about it more. I am sure on Songs for Win, they're going to talk a lot of Amy Winehouse over the next few years. That would be my... We've never spoken about it before, have we? Well, it's what, you're, you're in your second season, well, now's right? now's the time. time is now, bird babe. Oh. I don't... 
like this is one of my favorite albums. I have so so many. It's very hard to just mm-hmm. pick one. But you have to think about the one that you can talk about the most, and you a lot to say about it. But music is just so. I completely. That's it's just vast. Exactly part I, of why I, I chose. Part of why I chose Spice World. There are other albums that are maybe cooler that I really, really like and could talk about. I don't know about that. <laughs> Rachel's my new bestie. There are obviously cooler albums and more critically acclaimed albums or whatever. But I don't live my life by what people tell me is good because that is a really boring way to live your life. So I like what I like, and that is Spice World. <laughs> well, that's a perfect tag for ending this episode. Rachel, love you. Em and George, you are beautiful people. This was a blast. Uh, could not have spent a Saturday morning in a better way. Honestly, I love you too. You're amazing. You're hilarious. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really, really hope that we can do something like this we again. We will. Sometime. Yeah. Um, this has been, it's been so much it's fun. My favorite thing about having a podcast with my best friend is spending time with my best friend and chatting music but my other favorite thing is the music podcast community that that we found um it, it's for brilliant. sure it's just great we are very appreciative to be to be your podcast friends versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod thank you everybody for listening this was a blast Love you all. Join us next week. Uh, Evil and I are going to talk a couple scores. We're talking the movie Blade Runner, the score from that. And we are talking (laughs) One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Join us for that. We we just made Em happy. Love you all. (laughs) Good night.